Welcome to the sermon podcast of Paley Presbyterian Church. The following sermon is by Pastor Becca Bruner. Hey friends, welcome. Thanks for joining us today. My name's Becca. I'm one of the co-pastors here at Paoli, and I'm so glad that you've chosen this day, this Sunday, to jump in with us in worship because we are starting a brand new series today. We're going to be spending all winter and some of the spring looking together at the Apostles' Creed. We're going to be thinking together about what we as Christians believe, what makes us distinct and even special. And, and we're committing ourselves not to just learning about the creed, but, but our hope is that we're, we're making it personal. That we're not just talking about what, what they believe out there, but, but that each one of us is making a commitment to what I believe. But before we jump all into all of that, there's another place we need to start. And, and, and I want to start today with a question for us to consider. And the question is this. What does it mean to be a Christian? You ever think about that? What does it mean to be a Christian? What are the essential elements, the the necessary ingredients for a person to be able to call themselves a Christian? In his book, What's So Amazing About Grace, author Philip Yancey writes about uh, how he would often like to pose that very question to strangers. Often while maybe riding on a plane, he'd strike up a, a question in the, the seat, you know, in the row with the person next to him, and he'd ask them, you know, what do you think? What do you think it means to be a Christian? And he'd often get answers like, well, you know, there's people, they're, they're polite, they're moral, they're virtuous. Sometimes he'd get not so great answers like, you know, Christians, they're, they're holier than thou people. Oh, Christians, they're, they're the ones who always look down on me. What does it mean to be a Christian? You know, we could dismiss those kinds of answers, you know, because they, they come from, from people out there. They don't, they don't really know. You know, they're on the outside. They don't, they don't know what it means to be a Christian. So, okay, well, so what do we think? Those of us who are on the inside, so to speak. You know, some of us might say, well, to, to be a Christian means believing the right things. You know, having a list of all the right answers to all the right questions and getting them down pat. Some might say to be a Christian means behaving in the right ways. There are things you do and there are things you don't do. And if you get those things right, well, then you're a Christian. Others might say that being a Christian is about belonging in the right group, going to the right church, connecting with the right community, following the right people on Twitter. That's what what makes you a Christian. And while, yes, being a Christian does involve believing certain things, it can involve behaving in certain ways, and certainly we hope that every person feels like they they belong in a community, but, but at its core, those things do not fully comprise what it means to be a Christian. A Christian, at the most foundational level, is a person who can say with the Apostle Paul what he said about himself in one of his earliest letters. It's a, it's a letter that he wrote to the church at Corinth. 
1 Corinthians, he writes this. He says, because God was so gracious to me, so very, very gracious to me, here I am. I love that. I love that. Because God was so very gracious to me, here I am. You gotta understand what it take for, took for, for Paul to write those words. I mean, he'd come from a pretty bad place before that. Some of you, you know Paul's story. You know that, that for most of his adult life, but before Paul became a Christian, Paul was actually persecuting Christians. He was traveling around, he was throwing them in jail, he was overseeing and approving of their executions. But then, Paul met Jesus. And Jesus didn't condemn him. Jesus didn't kill him. Jesus forgave him. Jesus transformed him. Jesus showed Paul grace. And Paul never forgot it. Because God was so gracious to me, so very gracious to me. Here I am. So what does it mean to be a Christian? Well, simply put, a Christian is a person who has experienced grace. Grace. Paul further defines what grace really looks like in his letter to the Ephesians. And I'm going to read a passage from that letter using this Bible. It's the message. It's a more modern, contemporary, kind of everyday language version of the Bible. And we want you to know that we're going to be using this version, the message, all through this whole upcoming series. And we're doing so because we feel like reading this kind of particular unfamiliar version to a lot of us is, is a way to kind of bring new life to some old words. And we want every single one of you to have a copy of this Bible. We think it's really powerful, really, really life-changing, potentially, when we're all reading Scripture together, when we all can be looking at these same words, underlining them, uh, memorizing them, rereading them. So we want every single one of you to have a copy of this Bible. You can get one. We've got them for you, one for every single household. Uh, you can get one if uh, you're listening to this message on, on Sunday, January 10th. We're having our drive-by blessing today from 1130 to 130. We're handing them out. Um, but if you missed that opportunity, we'll have them here at the church. Just call the church office. You can stop by. We want to make sure everybody gets their own copy. And you can be reading along with us through this series. So we're going to be looking at Paul's words in his letter to the Ephesians, chapter 2, starting at verse 1. It says, It wasn't so long ago that you were mired in that old stagnant life of sin. You let the world, which doesn't know the first thing about living, tell you how to live. You filled your lungs with polluted unbelief and then exhaled disobedience. We all did it, all of us, doing what we felt like doing. When we felt like doing it, all of us in the same boat. It's a wonder God didn't lose his temper and do away with the whole lot of us. Instead, immense in mercy and with an incredible love, he embraced us. He took our dead, our sin-dead lives, and he made us alive in Christ. He did it all on his own, with no help from us. Then he picked us up and set us down in the highest heaven in company with Jesus, our Messiah. And now God has us where he wants us, with all the time in the world and the next, to shower grace and kindness upon us in Christ Jesus. 
Saving is all his idea and all his work. All we do is trust him enough to let him do it. It's God's gift from start to finish. We don't play the major role. If we did, we'd probably go around bragging that we'd done the whole thing. No, we neither make nor save ourselves. God does both the making and saving. He creates each of us by Christ Jesus to join him in the work he does. The good work he has gotten ready for us to do. Work we had better be doing. In a different version of this passage, a scripture that probably a lot of us are very familiar with, it's a place where we get one of the key phrases of our Reformed faith. Verse 8 says, For it is by grace that you have been saved through faith. You have been saved by grace. Amazing grace is how we think of it. Theologians, people with those high degrees, they, they tell us that grace is the unearned, unmerited, undeserved love of God freely given to us in Jesus Christ. But for us less educated folk. I, I like how the pastor and author Frederick Beekner puts it. He writes, grace is something you can never get but only be given. There's no way to earn it or deserve it or bring it about any more than you deserve the taste of raspberries and cream or earn good looks or bring about your own birth. A good sleep is grace and so are good dreams. Most tears are grace. Loving somebody is grace. Have you ever tried to love somebody? A crucial eccentricity of the Christian faith, faith is the assertion that people are saved by grace. There is nothing you have to do. There is nothing you have to do. There is nothing you have to do. Here's another definition. This one we can all understand. It, it comes from a Baptist preacher named Will Campbell who grew up in Mississippi and, and became very active in the civil rights movement of the 1960s. And in his autobiography, he rec recounts a story about, about a friend of his, a guy who was a, an agnostic newspaper editor named P.D. East. Now East, over the course of their friendship, always badgered Campbell to, to give him a definition, a succinct definition of Christianity. He would ask him all the time, just, just, just narrow it down, just slim it down, ten words or less. Tell me, what does it mean to be a Christian? What is the Christian message? And here's how Pastor Will Campbell finally answered him. He said, the Christian message is this. He said, we're all bastards, but God loves us anyway. Now, I know that for some of you, Campbell's language might be offensive, but I have to say that his definition of the Christian message is pretty spot on. And it's really, really similar to what Paul's saying here in Ephesians. We're all bastards. We're all broken down, beat up, self-absorbed sinners. But God loves us anyway. And to know that love, to receive that love, to live out that love, that is what it means to be saved by grace.
So what do we do with that? What does being saved by grace look like? Well, as I thought about it this week, the word that kept coming to mind over and over again for me was the word new. New. Among other things, grace gives us a new life. Paul starts out this passage in Ephesians pretty bluntly. He says, you know, it wasn't so long ago that you were mired in that old, stagnant life of sin. You let the world, which doesn't know the first thing about living, tell you how to live. So that got me thinking. How does the world tell us how to live? There's a lot of ways you could answer that question, but I think all of them would end up kind of circling back around to this idea that it's all about me. That old stagnant life of sin tells us that it's all about me. The great reformer Martin Luther, when describing the human condition apart from grace, he he used the phrase in curvatus inse. That's Latin for curved in on itself. That's what sin does, Luther said. He said, it bends my whole being in on myself so that everything is all about me. What's in it for me? How can I advance my agenda? How will my needs get met? And and how are my needs not getting met? And if they're not getting met, who else out there is to blame? Sin turns us in on ourselves, which ultimately leads to death. Because over time, sin destroys us. Because because the more we turn in on ourselves, the more we turn away from God. The more we turn away from one another. The more we turn away even from our truest and deepest selves. But grace, it gives us new life. Grace untwists us from being turned in on ourselves to be fully able to be the men and women God created us to be, made in God's image, connected to one another, living for something, living for someone much, much bigger than just me, me, me. Grace gives us new life. Grace also gives us a new heart. For just as sin tells me that life is all about me, sin also convinces my heart that it's all up to me. See, without grace, we're prone to thinking things like, you know, God could never love a person like me. Or I, I can never forgive myself for what happened. Or, or I'm trying so hard to be a good Christian, but I just can't seem to get it right. So many of us live like it's all up to us, do the right things, say the right words, live the right way, and then, then, and only then, God might possibly dare to love you. A number of years ago, a study was done. There were 7,000 Christian teenagers just trying to get a gauge on their faith. And they were asked a a number of statements and and asked whether or not they agreed with them. I want to see maybe what, what you think of these. One, the way to be accepted by God is to try to sincerely live a good life. Over 60% of them agreed. 
Two, God is satisfied if a person lives the best life that he or she can. Almost 70% agreed. Three, the main emphasis of the gospel is on God's rules for right living. More than half agreed. I gotta say, you know what happens in my heart when I hear all that? Like if I were to believe all that, if I really think that it's all up to me, it stresses me out. Like, when hearing all that, if all of that were true, what happens in my heart is it tightens up in my chest, my breath gets short, and I think, uh, I gotta get out of here, I gotta get to work, because, because if God is ever, ever, ever gonna love me, then I gotta do it all, and I gotta do it right, and I gotta do it now. So friends, let me please, please, please clear up any confusion that might be in any of your hearts right now. This is not the gospel. While many, many religious systems out there say do, the gospel says done. It's been done. In Jesus Christ, Everything necessary to make us right with God has been done. It is all a gift. It is all grace. Which, when received, when experienced, that gives you a whole new heart. Because in place of that tight, stressed, anxious one, we are given a heart that can breathe easy. We're given a heart that can rest. A heart that is deeply confident that there is nothing you have to do. There is nothing you have to do. There is nothing you have to do. For in Jesus Christ, it is all already been it's a grace that gives you a new life. Grace, it gives you a new heart. And grace, it gives you new relationships. Because here's the thing, and you know this is true. When we are living like it's all about me and it's all up to me, then, well, other people, they're a little difficult, right? They get in the way of me getting what I want. They stand against what I think I need. They don't work as hard as me, so they're lazy. Or they, they believe opposite from me, so they're bigoted. They are different from me, so since who I am is clearly good, in their difference, they are clearly bad. Tony Campolo, the great Christian author and speaker, one time when he was given a talk, he, he stopped kind of abruptly in the middle of his talk, and he, he looked out at all of us listening to him, and he said, you know, you know, if you all really, really knew who I was deep down inside, you would never want to listen to me. And he paused, thought for a minute, and he said, but you know what? That's okay. Because if I knew who you all were deep down inside, I'd never want to talk to you. 
Friends, when grace enters our lives, when it penetrates our hearts, we come to realize that we're all sinners saved by grace. Every single one of us. We are no better and we are no worse than anybody else. And so we can accept one another because we know we've been accepted. We can love one another because we know that we have been loved. We can accept and, and we can love everyone, even them. Now, whoever your them is, and we've all got one, that does not mean that we condone or excuse all of their words and actions. Because there are some words and there are some actions that cannot be condoned, that must not be excused. For some words and for some actions, there needs to be justice. But that is another sermon for another day. For this day, what matters is that we can be kind, we can be gracious to them, whoever your them may be. Because in Jesus Christ, God has been so very kind and so very gracious to you and to me. We can love because in Jesus Christ, God loves us. So grace gives us new life. Grace gives us a new heart. Grace gives us new relationships. And one last thing. Grace leads us home. In her book, Traveling Mercies, Anne Lamott shares a story from her pastor about a time when her best friend got lost as a little girl. The little girl ran up and down the streets of the big city in which they lived, and, and she just getting more and more and more lost. She didn't recognize a single landmark, and, and she became very frightened. And finally, a policeman stopped to help her, and he put her in the passenger seat of his car, and they just drove around until she could maybe recognize something about where she was. And, and as they were driving, she suddenly cried out for him to stop, 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 stop. I know where I am now. And looking out the window, she, she pointed the policeman to her church. And she told him very, very firmly, she said, you can let me out now. This is my church, and I can always find my way home from here. Friends, it is our sincerest hope that as we enter into this season, as we explore the Apostles' Creed together, that... Yes, we are going to be talking about the contents of the Christian faith, but not with the goal of getting everyone to believe the right things or behave the right ways. That's not what makes a person a Christian. Our hope as we dig into this creed and the scriptures that inspired it is that as we do, you will experience grace and that that grace will give you new life. That grace will give you a new heart. That grace will lead you into new relationships. And truly, from the bottom of my heart, our deep, deep hope as we enter into this season is that by joining us here at this church, you will find your way home. <laughs>